Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 26, recorded on July 17th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Well, we'll start with the market update. Uh, and then also an outlook for next week since we're in the middle of earnings season. Stocks finished sharply higher on Friday, snapping a five-day losing streak thanks in part to stronger-than-expected retail sales data and a moderation in inflation expectations. Financial stocks paced Friday's gains with Citigroup surging 13% as it reported the best second quarter results of any big bank so far. Meanwhile, comments from the president of the Atlanta Federal Reserve indicated that he likely would not support a potential 100 basis point rate hike at the central bank's upcoming policy meetings. But Friday's rally still was not enough to overcome three days of selling earlier in the week, leaving the three major market indexes with weekly losses of 1.6% for the NASDAQ, 0.9% for the S&P 500, and 0.2% for the Dow. Looking ahead to next week, earnings reports will dominate the week as big names like Bank of America, Netflix, Tesla, and Twitter report amid plenty of drama. While investors have already baked into share prices that the earnings season will show some disappointments and downward revisions, the latest reads on consumer demand, labor shortages, and supply chain issues will still be critical. The economic calendar next week includes updates on housing starts, existing home sales, and the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index. Federal Reserve speakers will be in a blackout period ahead of the FOMC meeting on July 26, 27, but futures trading on Fed funds contract will be closely watched with the odds of a 100-point hike gyrating wildly. On the corporate calendar, Nikola stockholders will vote again on issuing more shares, and GameStop's four-for-one stock split will become effective at the very end of the week. Moving on to Bitcoin news, uh, this first one here is from Bloomberg, July 13th, on crypto lender Celsius files for bankruptcy after cash crunch. Cryptocurrency lender Celsius Network Limited filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, the latest casualty of a $2 trillion crash that has wiped out some of the industry's biggest names and exposed hundreds of thousands of individual investors to steep losses. Celsius, which has more than 100,000 creditors, said it took the step to stabilize its business and work out a restructuring for all stakeholders. The filing was made in the Southern District of New York, Enlisted Alameda Research, the trading firm co-founded by crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried, among major creditors. The platform held about $4.3 billion of assets against $5.5 billion of liabilities as of Wednesday, according to court papers. <clears throat> the company's been trying to obtain new financing from third parties, but those talks made clear that a bankruptcy filing was necessary. Chief Executive Officer Alan Mashinsky said in a sworn declaration. And actually, if you look at the uh, filing itself, it's quite interesting. Um, I think on, where is it? Uh, page eight, I think, of the filing um, shows 
uh, the unsecured creditors. And so uh, uh, the first one, of course, is uh, FTX. And then uh, they have a, a whole bunch of customers with huge balances, 40 million, 38 million, 24 million, 20 million, 19 million, all the way down. So uh, I think the lesson here is um, don't put your Bitcoin on an exchange. Hold it, hold it, hold your own keys, store it yourself, because you never know what these guys are doing with, with the Bitcoin. And if they're pledging it, then, uh, and then they get into trouble, um, there's a good chance you might not get it back. Uh, next here we have, uh, this is uh, out of Cointelegraph, uh, July 16th date, Andorra greenlights Bitcoin and blockchain with Digital Assets Act. A small light of progress shines from Andorra, a tiny European country nestled between France and Spain. The country's government, the General Council of Andorra, recently approved the Digital Assets Act, a regulatory framework for digital currencies and blockchain technology. The act is split into two parts. The first regards the creation of digital money or programmable digital sovereign money, which can be exchanged in a closed system. In effect, this would allow the Andorran state to create its own token. The second half of the act refers to digital assets as financial instruments and intends to create an environment in which blockchain and distributed ledger technologies can be regulated. Um, they have a quote here from a CEO of a local Bitcoin business called 21 million. He thinks the new law could attract new business. He said, this is a quote, the outcome they're trying to achieve is to actually attract new businesses to locate in the country by offering some legal clarification, making it easier and more transparent. They see this as a way to attract talent and entrepreneurs to the new economy. Uh, note that cryptocurrencies and digital currencies are not legal tender in Andorra, and the Digital Assets Act makes no proposals surrounding means of exchange. That privilege is exclusively reserved for the preferred currency of the European Central Bank, the euro. Um, but uh, I think there's still people that are happy to see this. Uh, there's also another uh, quote in here. National newspaper Diary de Andorra reported that the Digital Assets Act is a step toward making cryptocurrencies a day-to-day -day reality. From a business perspective, uh, uh, they said that a level of crypto friendliness depends on the activity. So that's, uh, again, good, good news, I think, from the standpoint of uh, starting to encourage, I guess, uh, larger companies, investors to locate there since there'll be less uncertainty about the uh, env legislative environment, um, which is still, you know, very much uh, being developed uh, in the in the space. Uh, next up is Bitcoin News, Bitcoin.com. Uh, this was updated uh, a couple days ago. Putin signs law prohibiting payments with digital assets in Russia. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin has signed a law imposing direct restrictions on the use of digital financial assets as a means of payment inside his country. 
The crypto page of the RBC Business News Portal reported the ban applies to utilitarian digital rights as well. Russia is yet to comprehensively regulate cryptocurrencies, but the law on digital financial assets, which went into force in January 2021, introduced the two legal terms. Russian officials have in the past indicated that DFA encompasses cryptocurrencies while UDR applies to various tokens. This fall, Russian lawmakers will review a new bill on digital currency designed to fill the regulatory gaps. The legislation approved now by Russia's head of state was filed with the State Duma, the Russian Parliament's lower house on June 7th by the chairman of the Financial Market Committee, Anatoly Aksakov, and adopted a month later. Until now, Russian law did not explicitly prohibit payments with digital assets, although monetary surrogates are banned and the status of the ruble as the only legal tender is enshrined. While the bill outlaws the exchange of DFAs for transferred goods, performed works, rendered services, it leaves the door open for cases of DFA payments envisaged in other federal laws. I think I mentioned last week, they were actually looking at uh, making payments outside the country uh, to businesses, you know, inside the country as being, you know, and cryptocurrency is okay. They just don't want people using it inside the country, which is kind of interesting. But I think the uh, external payments allows them to circumvent sanctions. And, that, and indeed, the article goes, a lot, goes on to say, amid expanding financial restrictions imposed as part of the Western sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine, a proposal to legalize small-scale crypto payments in foreign trade with Russia's partners has been gaining support in Moscow. Along with banning direct payments with digital financial assets, the law also obliges the operators of platforms offering exchange services to reject any transactions that could potentially lead to the use of DFAs to substitute the Russian ruble as a payment instrument. The new legislation will enter into force 10 days after its publication in Russia's government gazette. Regarding the option for exemptions in its application, the RBC report notes that Russian legal experts have already highlighted certain controversies in the document. So again, this is kind of interesting development and uh, something to watch uh, if other if other countries um, take this approach um, and basically ban using cryptocurrency for payments, um, then it kind of really forces you to basically treat them like an investment um, you know, which I think in the U.S. for the most part, most people look at it that way. Although Bitcoiners look at it as uh, as also a means of being able to pay people. Um, but this is an interesting development to watch and to see if other countries adopt similar legislation. Uh, next, we have uh, this is also Bitcoin.com. Uh, this was posted about three days ago. Robert Kiyosaki says in cash position, waiting to buy Bitcoin, asset prices are crashing, the greatest sale on earth coming. Uh, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, reiterated this week that he is waiting to buy Bitcoin, emphasizing that the, quote, greatest sale on earth is coming as asset prices are crashing. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a 1997 book co-authored by Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. 
Uh, it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for over six years. More than 32 million copies of the book have been sold in over 51 languages across more than 109 countries. Um, and I actually have read a lot of his books. I think, you know, they're pretty good, to be honest. And I, I'm, I also follow his podcast. Um, he's he's quite entertaining, and uh, but also smart guy, good, good investor. Uh, anyway... Noting that his favorite four-letter word is sale, Kiyosaki tweeted Monday, asset bubble found a pin, asset prices crashing, and cash position waiting to pick up bargains, especially in real estate and Bitcoin. Do not miss the greatest sale on earth. At the time of writing, the S&P 500 has declined 21%, while NASDAQ has slumped 29% so far this year. Moreover, rising interest rates have begun to drive up mortgage costs and cool housing demand. Kiyosaki has warned about asset bubbles and markets crashing many times. He said in March that we are in the biggest bubble in world history, noting there are bubbles in stocks, real estate, commodities, oil, futures, and even Bitcoin. In June last year, he said the biggest bubble in world history is getting bigger, predicting that the biggest crash in world history is coming. The famous author has been waiting to buy Bitcoin for quite some time. He said on several occasions that he plans to buy Bitcoin when the bottom is in. When the largest cryptocurrency was trading at about 35,000, he said he was waiting to buy it at 24,000. When Bitcoin Bitcoin was hovering around 30,000, he said he was waiting for the price to drop as low as 9,000. Last month, he revealed that he's waiting for Bitcoin to test $1,100 before buying. If it recovers, I will buy more. If it does not, I will wait for losers to capitulate, quit, then buy more, he tweeted. Kiyosaki has also warned about an impending depression, hyperinflation, and civil unrest in the U.S. In November last year, he said he was buying more gold, silver, Bitcoin, Ethereum, rental real estate, and oil as inflation escalated. He blames President Joe Biden and the Federal Reserve for inflation, predicting that the U.S. is sliding into a recession. Fed will raise interest rates, causing stock, bond, real estate, and gold crash, he previously warned. The U.S. Labor Department said Wednesday that consumer prices soared 9.1% compared with a year earlier, the biggest yearly increase since 1981. Meanwhile, more banks are predicting that the U.S. economy will slide into a recession this year. So always interesting to get uh, Robert's take on things. And finally, uh, in the Bitcoin news, um, this is also Bitcoin.com. This was... uh, Updated uh, today, July 17th, updated. Billionaire Thomas Petterfee plans to buy Bitcoin despite concerns Bitcoin could become worthless or outlawed. Billionaire Thomas Petterfee shared his outlook for Bitcoin and the U.S. economy in an interview with Forbes last week. Petterfee is the founder and chairman of the board of directors of Interactive Brokers, an online trading platform. His net worth is currently $18.4 billion, according to Forbes' list of billionaires. Interactive Brokers offers cryptocurrency trading. The billionaire said in January that it is prudent for investors to have 2 to 3% of their personal wealth in cryptocurrencies, just in case fiat currency goes to, quote, hell. In July last year, he revealed that he's holding some Bitcoin, stating there's a small chance that this will be a dominant currency, so you have to play the odds. He told Forbes last week that he still believes Bitcoin could become very valuable despite the recent crypto market sell-off, 
he added that he's still holding some Bitcoin and plans to buy more if the price of the cryptocurrency hits $12,000. At the time of writing, Bitcoin is trading at 20739 Despite planning to buy more Bitcoin, Pedofi remains cautious about the future of the cryptocurrency. He's stressed, and this is a quote, chances are very high that Bitcoin will become worthless or outlawed. The U.S. government could seek to ban crypto, uh, the billionaire warned, noting that officials are concerned that cryptocurrencies are being used to provide financing for illegal activities. He also noted that the U.S. Treasury Department's an inability to control or keep track of payments and collect taxes. Commenting on U.S. inflation hitting a 40-year high in June, Pedrofi cautioned, I believe inflationary pressures will continue for years, not months. This is not a short-term issue, and personally, I totally agree with him on that. Uh, the billionaire proceeded to share his outlook for the stock market, predicted that U.S. equity markets could hit bottom as soon as the fall, and the S&P 500 could decline 22% to 3000 around October. Eventually, rising prices will catch up with stocks. Stocks will enter a long bull market propelled by inflation, he opined. So that's a pretty interesting take. Um, as far as, you know, Bitcoin getting, you know, outlawed, uh, I don't think it's going to fail. But I do think uh, there's a couple things that, that, that Bitcoin has to face. One is competition from all the uh, uh, altcoins, um, because I think it's there's 20,000 of them. And I think it's very confusing uh, to people in the marketplace because they can't really tell the difference, even though there is a difference um, between you know Bitcoin and, and all the other coins. Um, so that that's a significant um competitive issue um and the other thing is regulation you know if uh, for example if the us or any government says you can't use it for payment or you can't even own it um <clears throat> although it's very difficult to enforce because especially if you self custody and you don't have it on exchange it's no different than having a you know gold coins in your in your closet um you know but uh you know, if the government outlawed it, technically you'd have to turn it in, I guess, or you'd have to move someplace where it's not outlawed. So, um, but, you know, mo most people aren't expecting to leave their country. So I guess, you know, uh, you would just go with whatever the, the law says. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, there's, you know, that the legislative agenda is really trying to tackle uh, that right now. But, um I think his take on it is that, you know, you should have a non-zero position, um, a small percentage, um, because I think many people have said, you know, that the downside risk is pretty minimal at the level that it's currently trading at Bitcoin, but the upside risk, the upside um, is potentials, you know, 10x, whatever. So, um, you know, as a, you know, traders would, would look at that and say, well, that's a, it's a good risk reward. So that's probably where he's coming from on that. Okay. And then, uh, last we'll, uh, talk about the monthly portfolio review. This is also posted in my Substack, And so I will include a link, uh, also include a link to all these uh, articles in the show notes, but I'll also include a link to my blog post. And then in, in that, there are some other links to some other things I'm going to talk about uh, if you're interested in 
in reading uh, some of the additional information. So here we are, monthly portfolio review, July. So markets recovered a bit this month with the Dow Jones um, posting, and I use the DIA ETF as a proxy for that, uh, up 3.79%. S&P 500 using the uh, SPY ETF uh, up 3.96%. And NASDAQ using the QQQ ETF is up 5.97%. Uh, over the trailing 30 days, you know, as of the day I'm writing this, which is today. Bitcoin's also up about 3% over the past 30 days. Um, some key news items uh, in this past week included the following. Uh, Non-farm payrolls increased 372,000 in June. Unemployment rate is steady at 3.6%. Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey uh, indicates sentiment improved 2.2% and assessment of current economic conditions improved 6.1% over last month, but the survey is still near like all-time lows. And uh, I've got some commentary later on uh, from the survey that was kind of interesting. Uh, the Consumer Price Index, as uh, I think one of the articles mentioned, um, Reading for June showed 9.1% annualized inflation. This is the highest that was reported since, I think, 1980. Uh, I know the other article said 1981, but I think it's 1980. Um, and then also the retail sales report uh, showed 1% growth month over month in June, although some analysts, and uh, I'll read a Lynn Alden tweet here in a minute, have correctly pointed out that if you factor in inflation into nominal sales growth, um, it shows a very different picture. So her tweet says, a friendly reminder that due to unusually high inflation, nominal retail sales and real retail sales are telling very different pictures about the economy. Nominal sales are up, but the amount of stuff people are taking home is flat to down. Uh, and like I said earlier, here's some interesting commentary from the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. Consumer sentiment was relatively unchanged, remaining near all-time lows. Current assessments of personal finances continued to deteriorate, reaching its lowest point since 2011. Buying conditions for durables adjusted upwards, owing both to consumers who cited easing supply constraints and those who believe that one should buy now to avoid future price increases, which would exacerbate inflation going forward. Even with the adjustment, buying conditions remained 26% lower than a year ago. Consumers remained in agreement over the deleterious effects of prices on their personal finances. The share of consumers blaming inflation for eroding their living standards continued its rise to 49%, matching the all-time high reached during the Great Recession. These negative views endured in the face of the recent moderation in gas prices at the pump. Inflation expectations have held steady or improved somewhat. The median expected year-ahead inflation rate was 5.2%. Little change from the past five months. Median long-run expectations fell to 2.8%, just below the 29 to 3.1% range seen in the preceding 11 months. Inflation uncertainty continued to grow with 26% of consumers expecting prices to stay the same or fall over the next five to 10 years, up from 11% a year ago. 
my portfolio overall was about flat month over month uh, with some increases in stocks and Bitcoin uh, being offset by declines in the real estate portfolio. I'm pretty sure I couldn't have taken another minus 10% month like last month. So here's the breakdown for the month. So cash is uh, higher at 8.9%, stocks 14.5%. That's uh, large cap 2.4, mid cap 2.2, small cap 2.2%, and international 7.7%. Um, and all of these are actively managed funds in my 401k. Um, the international does include uh, developed and emerging markets. No current position in commodities, no current position in bonds. Uh, real estate is at 31%. 29% of that is actively managed fund in the 401k, and then the rest is an investment property. Um, I'm actually currently selling that to diversify <clears throat> into some other opportunities, given the run-up in price. But the market is super, super slow right now um, in my area, and I can certainly attest to what is being reported in the media. Um, the, it's just like it went from a, you know, an extreme seller's market to you know, almost a no-bid market. I mean, there are sales, um, but you know, just very, very slow. Um, Private equity uh, is 18.8%, uh, and I have a variety of small seed invest, angel list, and republic investments, uh, and a few direct startups. I try to spread it across you know, a large number of companies, disruptive themes like artificial intelligence, genomics, property tech, fintech, blockchain, energy, cybersecurity, esports, cannabis, etc. Um, no new positions added this month. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about startup investing, um, I do have a link in, in my, um, uh, in, in the, uh, Substack uh, to a prior post that I, uh, did on that subject. Bitcoin is at 14.9% of the portfolio. That's, uh, includes direct ownership of self custody. Uh, coins and cold storage is the majority of it, and then I have a little bit in a Bitcoin IRA and a little bit in an unchained IRA and then a small amount of uh, grayscale Bitcoin trust. I'm continuing to dollar cost average every two weeks from my paycheck um, directly into Bitcoin in my strike account. Uh, there's no fees on that. And then I just move that to cold storage once a month. So I have that all set up. Um, as I've written before, my time horizon is very long, like 10 years. So I don't really get too worried about short-term price fluctuations. <clears throat> and I am looking to buy attractive entry points to add to my position in addition to dollar cost averaging. Um, so, um, you know, obviously if uh, Bitcoin stays where it is, there'll be some further opportunities if it drops you know maybe buy some more if it uh, continues to go up then uh, the dollar cost averaging should be fine uh, gold silver and other alternatives is about 9.6 percent um, gold and silver is just physical coins the other assets includes a masterworks account um, that uh, you invest in fractional interests in fine art um, this is for additional inflation defense. 
which is a little over half of that category. Um, <clears throat> I did a review of Masterworks, and there's a link in the in the post in the blog post uh, to that uh, article if you're interested in it. I actually got the report this month on my uh, first investment uh, that's been appraised since I bought it, and uh, saw a nice gain. So you know, I guess. The true, truth will be told when they actually sell it, the painting uh, at some point in the next five to seven years. But uh, so far, it's off to a good start. And then other assets is 2.3% of the portfolio. So I think now is a good time to keep higher than normal cash positions. Also make sure not to be over leveraged. Um, my cash position is almost 9% currently. And my debt to total assets is well below 30%, which should help me buffer any further market downside, um, uh, which, you know, depending on who you talk to, some say yes, some say no. So some say maybe the bottom's already in, and some say, no, we got, you know, we got another 30%, 20% down to go. So, um uh, either way, I'm fine. I don't need to sell anything. Plenty of cash and uh, should be able to weather the storm. Uh, and uh, and uh, I think markets are discounting the Fed causing a recession, it seems like, um, because longer-end bond rates have fallen significantly over the last 30 days. Um you know, the uh, tenure was up around almost three and a half percent a month ago, and now it's at 2.928 uh, as of the last quote, for example. Um, but anyway, this drop off in interest rates has helped some interest rate sensitive risk assets like beaten down technology stocks recover a bit and could help uh, the weakening housing market with lower mortgage rates. Um, as I wrote or talked about last month, I continue to believe it's not a matter of if, but when the Fed will return to easier monetary policy. And I'm not alone in this. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that that um, agree with this. And it's just really a question of how soon do they return to easier monetary policy. Um, I think it, it could be in reaction to concrete data supporting a recession which of course will be very late and very reactive um, or due to some kind of financial emergency, uh, credit seizing up or, you know, uh, some, some kind of, you know, liquidity crisis uh, that requires them uh, to um, ease monetary policy. So there, there has been, uh, and, there, and there's an interesting tweet that I included in the blog post with a chart that shows uh, why the Federal Reserve liabilities must grow exponentially to avoid a financial crash. And it kind of shows what happened each time uh, one of the Fed, uh, whoever was in the chairman at the time, tried to tighten monetary policy. It didn't last for long, and then they went right back on the exponential curve. So... Um, take a look at that in the in the uh, blog post if you're interested. It's uh, uh, mer- it's <laughs> they call it the Mermican chart because I guess the guy's Twitter handle is Mermican. Lawrence Lepard uh, quoted it uh, too in in his uh, 
in his uh, quarterly report. I'll mention that a little bit later too. So right now, the the biggest problem seems to be you know the strong dollar, which is making it hard for you know our U.S. allies in Europe and Japan to buy critical commodities that are priced in dollars, like oil and other things. Um, so the Fed could help by printing money and buying European and Japanese sovereign bonds that would boost their currencies, weaken the dollar while stabilizing their bond markets, which have been under considerable pressure lately. Of course, any sort of U.S. money printing is always ultimately inflationary, and this operation would be no different. And they could do that and still raise rates at home, uh, which they've been doing to, quote, fight inflation. Um, while still printing money and still growing their balance sheet. Um, so it's kind of an interesting co concept. Um, there's a guy I follow, uh, call, uh, his name's Arthur Hayes. Uh, he goes really deep into that in a recent essay, and I have a link um, to that in, in uh, my blog post. Uh, check it out if you're interested. It's pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, and also, if you're interested in a great summary of just financial markets in general over the last quarter and where we could be headed, you know, from the perspective of a gold, silver, Bitcoin fund manager, um, you should check out Larry Lepard's Q2 fund report. And I'll have a link uh, also in my uh, blog post uh, to that. Uh, there, he's got lots of great charts and some excellent analysis. And I really enjoy listening to him on podcasts as well. He's a very smart guy been uh, an investor for a long, long time, <clears throat> been through a lot of market cycles and, and just has a, a really, really deep understanding of uh, uh, not only macro, but also just, uh, you know, the general investing environment, especially around gold, silver, and Bitcoin. So that pretty much wraps it up for the week. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe to on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. Like I said, I'll include a, a, a link to this week's um, post, and then you can find in there links to some of this other material that I'm mentioning. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Nick Reichert. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.